going on Kenfo welcome back welcome back key to the city podcast it's your country cousin Yoni and we are back with episode 29 man I appreciate everybody that's been supporting the podcast liking sharing commenting spreading by word of mouth whatever you've been doing we sure appreciate it uh I want to thank our last guest that we had in episode 28 we had the boss man of smokehouse entertainment uh scotty pippen in the building with us uh we appreciate him stopping through y'all make sure y'all check out his latest project boss mode uh which is released on all platforms um and just like with scotty pippen um today's episode is no different we're going to continue to give you quality content quality guests and uh you know as of recently we've been trying to give you guests uh that's related to the election season that we recently had so we were trying to prep you what you need to know before you before you voted and um we just ended you know biden was recently elected although we got some things going on with that um but now we want to talk some post-election commentary and uh i had a perfect guest in the building with me to do that um this gentleman here is a native of hazelhurst mississippi he's a graduate of alcorn state university the braves as well as UAB, University of Alabama, Birmingham. He's the executive director for the Mississippi State Conference, NAACP, and uh, also a recipient of the Dr. Montague Cobb Award that's issued by the National NAACP for his outstanding achievements in health policy, advocacy, and social justice. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my light went out. Uh, welcome to the city, Dr. Corey Wiggins. What's going on, brother? Hey, not much, brother. I appreciate you uh, inviting me on and uh, spending some time with you today. Oh, no problem at all, man. I thank you for stopping through. Uh, how your day going so far? Hey, man, you know, I got three young kids who are, who are, who are, mm-hmm. hey, that's how my day going. Yeah, <laughs> I got to myself, man. Hey, brother, I'm praying for you and I hope you'll do the same for me. Hey, man, come on, get you one more in there. If hey, I got like, four, everybody hey. I'm gonna let you have all that. I'm gonna let you have it. You won. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, cool. Well, man, yeah, we thank you for stopping through. And uh, we just had a wild election season. Um, before uh, we actually jump on the uh, presidential election, I wanted to get uh, your thoughts um, surrounding uh, the local elections, uh, Mississippi specifically, and uh, the race specifically of Cindy High Smith and. Uh, Mike Espy. We had Mike on the show uh, during the campaign, and uh, I just hated to see him fall short. What do you think of uh, about Mississippi choosing to reelect Cindy High Smith? You surprised? Well, I'll I'll say this, because I look at the elections and everything that happened uh, on Election Tuesday as a whole, and my takeaway from Mississippi as a whole is, is that while we made some progress, uh, we still got a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so by progress, I talk about, you know, we passed uh, three much needed ballot am- amendments or initiatives uh, that needed to pass. So that was success in that. Uh, NAACP in our role, you know, we don't pick or choose candidates. However, um, we do uh, dig into the issues. Uh, and so I think, you know, I think line up onto the issues that, 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 you know, Secretary Espy would have been better positioned to advance some of the issues and things that we care about as an association and as a group. 
but I think that speaks to the like the work that we still got to do, right? Uh, one thing I do want people to know, and I hope folks recognize this, is that when you look at, and I think we'll see this as more of the election return data kind of develops and come out, and you know, elections get certified, is is that you know, black folks and black communities turned out to vote, and the outcome of the election has nothing to do with where we are as a community. It has nothing to do about us and our work and trying to make this state better, our place better, make sure that the issues that our elected officials uh, align with, align that where all Mississippians can be proud of. Uh, that's not an issue that falls on, on, on the shoulders of a black folk in Mississippi. Uh, and so when I say there's work to be done, yeah, we can talk to more folks, register more voters and all those kinds of things. Uh, but we got to be honest and real that that we need to have more of our our, our white brothers and sisters across the state recognize uh, that 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 they are impacted or hurt by some of the policies being advanced um, by our federal officials as well, and they need to vote accordingly. All right, I agree, and uh, I know you can't. Uh, the NAACP can't support a specific candidate. Uh, but just from my personal point of view, um, I can see that a lot of progress is taking place, mm-hmm. um, especially involving like my demographic. Um, but I just want you to speak in general based on the history of Mississippi. Do you think yeah. it'll ever transition into yeah. a blue state or progressive, yeah. state, so to speak? Well, this is so right. So, you know, will will Mississippi be at some point be a majority minority state? And the answer is yes. Right. Uh, So if you look at last time I looked at some of this data, it's been some time ago, but the last two or three years, you had more black and brown babies being born in Mississippi than 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 babies that were not. Right. Uh, And so if you're talking about the trending, the demographic trends across the south, south, you know, you know, what state with what states across the South are aligned to be majority minority? Mississippi is right at the top of those states, right? There was this race three weeks, three, three, three way race between sort of Georgia, Mississippi, and North Carolina. Uh, I think Mississippi has picked up a little bit more steam. And so I think this idea of having like more representation, more power, more say uh, in elected, uh, statewide elected races, we, our, our influence in it is going to only continue to grow. Uh, I think that's why you see so often all of the voter suppression tactics that happened in this state. So when people are trying to limit access to the ballot in Mississippi, they they not only just limited just because folks got this misjudged judged idea of what democracy is. They're doing it because they understand that that you have more folks of color, more African-Americans in this state who are voting, who can vote. where we are determining the outcomes of statewide elections. And so that's why you get voter suppression tactics that are happening. So. So, yeah, you know, I think that that that, you know, we have a lot of work to do. Um, but I just want to make sure that, you know, this is what I don't want to happen. Okay. And I, and I hear this a lot. I, I've heard this before. You know, you get up in sometimes in some places, whether you're talking to a family member, you at a community meeting, wherever you are. And somebody say is somebody say some things like, you know, we don't vote. That's not true. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. Come on. That's come not on. true. We vote. Mississippi has the highest number of registered voters, African-American voters, in any state in this country. Mm-hmm. We have done a good job historically and even now of registering voters. We have black voters who are turning out to vote. 
We do vote. Can we do more? Yes, we all can do more. We can all do better, right? Right. But I just don't want anybody walking out of uh, 2020 talking about talking about we don't vote. Right, right, right. I agree. I agree. And something uh, along those same lines, and uh, I kind of battle with personally. I want to, I want to know your opinion on it. Uh, you always hear the uh, rhetoric about black people need to get off the plantation and stop voting Democrat, Democrat or whatever. I don't care what your political affiliation is. Uh, but I have a tendency to kind of base my base the candidate that I'm going to elect off of their morality, so to speak, as opposed to the policies that they're uh, proposing that they're going to implement. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you kind of fall along those lines? Yeah. So I'm a policy person. Like my background and training is in public policy. So I spent a short stint in D.C. on Capitol Hill doing health policy. Uh, when I moved back to Mississippi, I spent my first two years working in Mississippi State Legislature on policy issues. Like, And then I also served as a think tank before I came to NAACP, executive director of a think tank that looked at tax and budget policy, education policy, healthcare policy here in the state. And so I'm, I'm really sort of those one of those folks who like, 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 hey, I'm a policy. I can get into a policy nerd moment, right? Okay. Uh, get into looking into those issues and where folks line up. Because this is the ultimate at the end of the day. A politician, whether whoever they are, can tell you anything. Uh, but what I can do is go and look and see how you're voting on key issues that directly impact my local community, that they directly impact me personally. And I know where you line up, right? And so I think that's the thing uh, that I think. So is so one that question about you know voting one party on the other i think the thing that we want to focus in on on that is is to first vote because see you got to understand the power of having a voice in the decision making process right the power that comes to help determine who your leaders and even if you're somebody who say and we hear people say well well you know they're going to pick who they want to pick but this is the thing you have so much say in your local government yeah. Uh, whether you are electing who's on your school board, who's your city council person, or if you have are you in a city where your your school board is appointed by your council person, so you actually can influence what's going on in your school districts by that way. Mm-hmm. Voting your local mayor's race. If we want if we're talking about uh reforming the criminal justice system because we don't feel like it treat black folks fairly. You elect your district attorney. You elect your county. Pro- like you do all those things by voting. Right. So, so I don't want us to get into the point of like saying, "Hey, I vote don't count. It don't matter because it do, and it matters to the, to those issues that matter to us most, that impacts and affect us most." So, where folks line up at in terms of party, that's where folks can make their own decision of where they are. But I do encourage folks to at least do your homework. Uh, understand who you're voting for, why you're voting for it, uh, and but ultimately go and vote. It is our right to participate to participate in democracy. Yes, sir. Facts, facts, facts. Key to the City podcast. We have Dr. Corey Wiggins with us. Um, Biden Harris were recently elected, uh, president, vice president elect. Uh, do you believe that this uh, incoming administration? Uh, will implement policies that will help advance um, the black community. So I, I'll say this, and that's a. Uh, it seems like everybody 
comes at us hard during election yeah. season, campaign yeah. season, and we get nothing out of it in, in the end. Yeah. Well, and this and this is why I say because I think you know I'm listening to and listening to your question and when you ask it in the context of the black community, what and I think this goes back to to something you asked a little bit earlier is understanding where people are on the policy position, right? So, like for example, if 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 there's a conversation around tax and tax policy. And we are having to analyze where we are as a community in terms of who pays taxes, the resources that communities need, the resources that communities don't have. And you have to look at that and make a decision like what's in the best interest uh, of myself, my family, my community. So I think now I think that you may see out of a Biden-Harris administration more policies that are issued that are, are an investment in some of our communities. But the question is, is it enough? Again, that's that's the thing. Like, I, so I don't and I bring that up is, is to say is to say this, too, is elect the process of voting. And we all talk about voting, get out to vote, because that is the sexy thing to talk about. Right. An important component of this is accountability. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I'm your yeah. friend or not your friend, that doesn't matter if I elect you to do a job. That means I need to also hold you accountable to do that job. So I think one of the things that 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 I talk about often to our members and my NAACP members talk about this is that regardless of who we have in office, uh, whether I mean at the local level, state level, federal level, is that once folks are elected, we still have to do our due diligence. We still got to do our work and hold these folks accountable to make sure that they know one who elected them, who helped them to get in the office. And at the same time, understanding that there are issues that they need to address and have to address in our community. And we just can't give folks a pass just because we think they're nice, they're cool, and they're friends and all those kinds of things right, and right, right. all those things. We got to hold folks accountable for the things that we want to see happen in our community. Right, right. Agreed. And I'm not a political scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, one of the pushbacks that <clears throat> I know a lot of people in our community had against Vice President Harris. Oh, and Biden as well. Uh, Well, Biden, more specifically, his participation in the Criminal Reform Act. Am I right Mm -hmm. on that? Crime bill, yeah. And the prosecution uh, history of uh, Vice President Harris. Uh, I kind of, I can see both sides of it, but I mean, as a prosecutor, that's what she's supposed to do, right? prosecute people but it, I, I think the pushback is that it's disproportionate uh, yeah you know there was yeah no nah, you I mean I mean early on as they were running there was all these questions about uh even you know president-elect and vice president-elect sort of positions or what they've done in their sort of past careers and political careers uh over the course of time which are all should be discussed and debated uh, when we're looking at who we want to vote for because your vote is precious, right? You have to do your diligence and figure out uh, what you, you know, who you're going to cast it for. Um, you know, I always sort of, sort of urge folks to do that due diligence and to utilize their vote, but vote for the best candidate that you have that's on the ballot to make the decision of who you want to be able to represent you. 
And that's not to say any candidate or anybody we put forth is going to be the perfect person, a perfect candidate are going to be perfect on all the issues that matters to us most. But as we understand what a position is, then that means we also understand where we have to continue to be advocates for and where we have to be advocates at. Um, but I think the basic principles, right, of criminal justice reform, um, wanting to make sure folks have access to health care, how can you create jobs and communities uh, where, where, you know, look at Mississippi, some of the highest unemployment rates is in the black community and black men. Right. How do you bring jobs to those areas? How do you, you know, think about investment in communities that always aren't invested in? Like those are the kinds of things I think we got to be holding folks accountable for uh, as we move forward. And again, whoever is elected, right, whether it's your president, your mayor, your school board, we still got to hold them accountable. And I'd like to add, uh, ask all of my uh, politically savvy guests, do you still believe, and I can obviously tell from uh, the way you've been speaking today, do you still believe voting is a effective way to create change in America? I think voting is one tool in the toolbox of democracy that we have, right? Um, okay. And so that's my approach, right? Voting is one tool in the toolbox. And I say that because... Um, you know, we go to the polls to vote and cast our vote, and that's one day out of the year. We still got to do something with the rest of the days of the year with ourselves. Yeah. And and that may be community engagement, community activism, community organizing. It may be uh, the work that you do as a as a teacher and you're a teacher in the school district. It may be the work that you do as a librarian. Like there's all these things that make up the fabric of who we are in our community. That makes us the beautiful community that we that we are. So I look at voting as being one tool in the toolbox of the things that we can use and pull on and exercise to try to make communities better. I couldn't have said it any better, my brother. What's some uh, resources that uh, we can access to uh, become more engaged and more involved, uh, whether it's through the NAACP or any other organizations? Well, look, this is what I tell folks, and, and it's hard for me to sort of say, give you one resource, because, of course, yes, I would love for folks to go to the NAACP website, our state chapter website, which is NAACPMS.org. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, brother, look, this work around social justice is like a buffet. You take as much as you want, as little as you want. It is plenty to go around. So however, whatever you want to do. Is room for you and space for you to do it. However, in whichever way that you want to do it, there's room for you to do it, right? This work about social justice is not, look, we don't, you don't get a prize at the end of the finish line called a social justice prize, right? It's not a, it's not a race you run with this prize mentality of like, it's a competition. Right, right, right. Uh, this is a struggle for humanity. This is a struggle to make communities better. I mean, the prize, if anything, is at the end of the day when you look around and see children playing, children having what they need to live full lives. Like that's the prize, right? That's the joy. Right. Uh, our kids can can put their mind and say, "This is what I want to be in life," and understand that that is a possibility, right? It is a reality. It is something that they can touch, feel, smell, and can realize that they can they can achieve it without being hindered because of their race, without being hindered because of their gender or their sexuality. Like that's, that's the joy. 
Um, and so, you know, I don't I don't get into like the one organization, one this or, or that, as opposed to, you know, whether it's, you know, groups like the NAACP uh, in Mississippi. We got this group called Mississippi Votes, which is doing a lot of great work with young people. Poor People's Campaign, which is doing a lot of organizing work. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a bunch of groups on the ground that's doing a lot of work across the state. And I just encourage anybody to check out all these groups uh, and figure out what speaks to you and just get busy. I love it, man. I love that analogy you use. Couldn't have said it any better. Um, Dr. Wiggins, man, we sure appreciate you dropping by, dropping these gems on us. Um, I have one more question for you. Um, I sometimes look at all the change that's going on in the country and I think about those that came before us and uh, how some of them, the work they put in, they didn't necessarily see it come to fruition. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you believe that our generation will be able to witness some of that if we're fortunate enough to grow old and gray where we can say, see the fruits of our labor, basically? I know we're doing it basically for the next generation and so on, but I'm just wondering on our lifetime, do you believe that we'll see? Well, I mean, that's your final question. I think it's a big question, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> Gotta go out with a bang. Well, and, and I'll say this, you know, I'll take it to the theme that we're using this way this year for our NAACP State Convention and Policy Institute, which is called uh, Until Freedom Come. And the reason or where that thing came from is, is there was a speech that was given by Megger Evers, who was the first field secretary for the NAACP, um, as they were doing the Jackson uh, boycott here in Jackson, in Jackson, Mississippi. And in his speech, he talks about doing this work or boycotting protests until freedom come. And I think that those words are so, so precious and so important even now. Because if you think about the ultimate sacrifice that was made by Mega Evers being assassinated in his front yard for the work that he was doing, um, when you think about the work of a Fannie Lou Hamer that she did, when you think about Reverend George Lee, who was organizing work in Humphreys County, Mississippi, who was murdered in his car uh, from a shotgun blast from trying to get people registered to vote, um, would they ever imagine that we would have a black president and now having a a president-elect as a black woman, a woman of color. Um, And even now, as we look at this and view this, we can still talk and think about all the things that still have to be done, right? And so I think the Until Freedom Come is part of this ongoing struggle for equity and justice here in our country. Um, And I say that and juxtapose it from the standpoint of that we didn't get here by overnight either, right? Correct. Right. It didn't happen overnight to a place where we where we are now. And I don't think and this is the thing that's that's key. Because at the core of this thing is is about power. Mm. So you have groups of folks in this country and in the state who have power mm-hmm. and they utilize their power to to enrich themselves, to, to, to maintain control. Uh, and on the other side of that is you have groups of folks who don't have it. And so every advancement that we make towards justice, every advancement that we make toward equity, understanding that there are other opposing forces who are trying to maintain their power and maintain the current system. And so we're going to always have this push and pull. Right. right? We're always going to have 
advancement, claw forward, claw forward. The the folks trying to maintain the status quo, trying to claw forward. That's I think that's who we are right now structurally. One of the things that I, I, I and, and I think who who is it Keen that talks about the arc of justice bending, uh, and I think that that's true. Is that ultimately um, right is going to be right, you know, regardless of how wrong people are trying to be in society, how wrong policies are, uh, how people are trying to bake and have inequities baked into our systems, criminal justice system, education system, like all these things that exist, that we know exist, that we face each and every day. Um, as long as we got folks uh, who are tomorrow's mega Evers, tomorrow Fannie Lou's, uh, uh, the tomorrow's you know next activists, it may be your children, maybe my children, whoever it is, brother, I think we're going to be all right. Uh, and I think as long as we plant our seed uh, and our young folks, give them what we got, uh, and tell them to carry on with further as much as they can, because because we're gonna sit back and and and, and be advisors one day <laughs> and counsel one day. Uh, and look, we got to know how to get out the way <laughs> and right. let the other folks have it, man. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm with that one. Well, brother, like I say, man, uh, thank you for all you've done. Uh, thank you for all you're doing, and uh, continue to help us push the culture forward. Uh, continue to educate us, uh, everybody in our community, about uh, things we need to know to progress as one. And uh, we salute you, brother, here Key to the City. And uh, we thank you for stopping through. Hopefully this won't be the last time. Well, and, look, uh, I, I appreciate you again. I appreciate the invitation. Anytime I can come back and share, we'd love to have it. Uh, the last thing I'll say is, I would, would be remiss if I wouldn't thank all of our NAACP volunteers across the state. Uh, these are people who show up each and every day uh, and they don't get paid to do it. They do it because it's the right thing to do. They go to city council meetings. They go to school board meetings uh, in the far flungs of this state. Oftentimes, I know people focus on our urban centers like a Jackson, uh, but we got folks in Jasper County, people in Sunflower County, folks in Adams, like all these places all across the state of Mississippi who Kemper County, Clark County, who are showing up uh, on behalf of those who aren't, aren't always able to show up. And so I just thank our members. I stand on their shoulders and the work in the NAACP. Uh, and we just hope to keep, continue to strive pushing forward. Thank you to those volunteers. Thank you for the time you put in, sacrifice. We sure appreciate it for the greater good of everyone else. Uh, Key to the City podcast. I am your host, Keone G., he is Dr. Corey Wiggins. This has been another insightful, educational, powerful, entertaining episode. We sure enough thank Dr. Wiggins for stopping through again. We'll see y'all next week. Key to the City Podcast. We out. Peace and blessings. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yes, sir.